Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Cavalry Audio. All right, let's go. I fucking hate you. I hate you too. I don't care. Let me know. It's eleven. It's eleven forty-six. It's nine forty-six. Just let me know how long it takes you to calm down, and then we'll start. How about well, that? let's fucking start. No. Jesus Christ! Let me. I'll, I'll. I'll start by saying this. It was supposed to be nine forty. You said nine thirty. I said okay. I've been on the fucking phone. I'm trying to pitch shit. I'm trying to get it done. I've got executives talking. Okay. Couldn't get off the phone. Realistically, I'm, what, three and a half minutes late because I got it at 9.43 and a half the first time. So just fuck off. I okay. mean, Jesus Christ. Okay. Do you feel better? What's the big fucking deal? Are you better now? God damn, dude. And on top of it, I'm not in the fucking mood. I'm not in the state of mind right now to even deal with your bullshit. God. <laughs> <laughs> Serious, dude. I know it's funny. It's just fuck. it's funny. It fucking I can't cracks take me it. up. I know you can't, and that's the best part of it all. Jesus Christ! It's, it's just I, I knew love- it was coming too. I was anticipating it. Well, then that's you the then you, you forged your I was own. Anticipating reality. your snarky bullshit. You forged oh. your own reality, didn't you? No, this is this is part of who this is part of who you are, dude. It just is, and it's okay. part of what I love because it makes me laugh. But when I'm on the receiving end of it, fuck you. Jesus it's part of who you Christ. are, too. Yeah, so let's just accept each other. Are you sweating? Look, open, lift your arm. Have I made you sweat? No. Damn it. But you made me crazy. Oh, my God. All right. Did you ever have a ch- shirt when you were little that, that <sighs> was from Jamaica that said, Jamaican me crazy? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I did have a shirt when I was single, and this is so bad, but I had a shirt, a vintage shirt that I got that was an old-school sort of um, touristy shirt from the Bahamas, and it says, try a virgin, and then underneath, in really small print, it says, islands. <laughs> so I would, I would wear that out How to like the clubs. You? you had I would to be wear it out so to the, proud. I would literally wear it to the clubs like a fucking moron, and, and it, I don't know, it seemed to work. I wore that shirt and Egyptian musk oil. And that was my go-to. You know? you know what? You know what's unbelievable? Because what? I go the extra mile. I bought McConaughey's book. Mm. Okay, he had when he was young. His mom was selling some sort of oil for his face, for mm-hmm. for anybody's face. But he was twelve, I think, going through puberty. 
and putting yeah, and this it, oil and, on. And it fucked them up. And it fucked them up to the yeah, point where they yeah. saw a lawyer and they were going to sue the yeah. company. No, I know. I know but the story. lawyer on the other side <laughs> went back to his senior year, you know, whenever this lawsuit came to pass, it's years later. And he's like, yeah, I really had a rough time in high school because of your oil. I was all broken out. I was only, and they go back in his high school yearbook and he's like best looking kid in the class of 1988. <laughs> and it ruined the whole thing, which like pissed his dad off that they couldn't pull off this scam. <laughs> It's so funny you just said that. I know. This book, so I I really think... It's it's really great. It's It's great. great. It's it's exactly how I wanted to write my book. And I think I I wrote it in a way that makes it at least conversational. It's it's not Mm -hmm. like reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Repair, where you maintenance or whatever it is, where you can't get Mm -hmm. through a page without rereading it. This book is, is a gift to the world and I'm, I'm i'm excited to talk to matthew I, you and i have never talked about mcconaughey who i know through the golf world and through a member guest and i met through your sister i don't know him well but i spent a lot of time with him for about four or five days but i don't know your relationship with him considering mm-hmm. all the time he has spent on and off screen with your sister yeah, no, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't have much of one, you know, I mean, I would see him now and again, and if I saw him, it's a high five and sort of a hug, but I, I never really got to know him, but I, I, uh, I definitely admire the guy, you know, he's just got this attitude that I wish that I had, that if I did have, I probably wouldn't be all fucking weird <laughs> and anxiety ridden, <laughs> but he just has this sort of look at life that is so refreshing to me. And, it, and he's, he's so on consistent, his own you know, yeah. he's so consistent, he's consistently his own guy. Like, it, and it's mm-hmm. not, he's not, that's the beauty of this book. And, and I really don't want to use our pre-time talking about the book that we're going to talk to him no. about. No, but, but I love the way he went about writing the book, Yeah, you know, and, and the process of it and him sort of locking himself up, you know, and in a cabin or some shit and just saying, all right, here's all my information. Here are my journals and here are my thoughts swirling in my head. Let's take some time from the family and just, you know, vomit and just get it, get it out. It's when I was reading this and I was, see, I never did journal when I was a kid, but I know that you've written notebooks, as you said, a few shows ago that you found during quarantine. And to me, I feel like as your friend or former friend, considering how this podcast began, (laughs) you could get great value if for nothing else, not financial, not Mm -hmm. critical acclaim, but just for your own mind of actually piecing a lot of that together. Because I do think you think about this stuff a lot more than the average person, Mm -hmm. certainly the average 44-year-old male, I would I would throw out there. Mm-hmm. And I think you could get great benefit from actually piecing something like this together and and mm-hmm. just putting something out that is, this is Oliver Hudson. Like, you need to have mm-hmm. your voice. That was the best thing that came about it for me, is it was, you think you know me, but you have no idea. Here's what I've been through. Here's who I am. Here's who I try to be. Here's who I respect. Here's who I don't. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. And here are the reasons why. And I I really think you could put together a book like this that is very similar yeah. in, 
in that you you would have the same process. It would be a different book, yeah. but I, I think you'd get a lot out of it. Yeah, uh, I think it would be a, an awesome thing, even just to do for myself. Yes, you know? that's what um, I mean. Even if you yeah. you wrote it and burned it, but if you yeah, if you exactly. wrote it and then tried to get it published. As mm -hmm. I said to the publisher, I don't care if it sells one copy or a million. I need to write this for me. I feel like you need to write something for you to like have something to stand on your own yeah. with all the issues we talk about on this thing. I know. It's so funny you even just brought up journal like the way because I do have journals. I haven't written in a journal in a while, but I, I was I just looked at one you know, yesterday and I read this entry when I first got together with with my wife, with Aaron, and her career was really sort of, she was taking off-ish for her, and it was not for me. And it was an entire three-page-plus entry about the jealousy and the anger mm. and sort of the not wanting her to succeed and whether it's worth even being in a relationship because I have these feelings and how yeah. much I hated myself for having these feelings. But I, that, I think you know, that's ugh. so normal, man. I, I, yeah. I feel like that's... That's part of a deeper conversation, but I feel like everybody, there's a piece of everybody, I don't care how good of a person you are, that somehow roots against even your closest people yeah. around you, roots against yeah. their success because it makes you feel less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I work on that. I do. I, I just have too much envy or too much jealousy and, and it can fuck me up. You know, because I don't want to feel this way. I fight sure. against it. But you're a good you know, I person. I want to be happy for everybody, but at the same time, I get upset. You know, not upset, but just God. I wish, I wish that was me, or I wish I had that, or I deserve that, or how come this doesn't happen to me? And of course, this. You know, I, I, you know, it's just, but it's it's so negative and it's poisonous. But we honestly. can talk. We can talk about Kate at another time. Let's let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about uh, what's under my hat before Matthew gets on. And now I know why it's Matthew and not Matt because his mom said I didn't name you after a doormat. That's Your right. name is Matthew. Um, yeah, let's get to it, baby. Let's get. To I didn't it. even really talk to you much about this beforehand. I have not talked about this at all on the podcast. But I went back in for da -da 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 mm. hair transplant <laughs> surgery number nine. <laughs> Let's see it. Okay, you ready? Yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. something I that I think we have to monetize. Yeah. We how, have how to we... show <laughs> we have <laughs> to show the carnage. <sighs> and we're gonna have my doctor on because oh, I oh, did yeah, not okay. know. I did not know that my name was absolute mud in the hair transplant doctor community for <gasps> describing how barbaric the process used to be when I got it and then lost my voice. And I mean, he was like Please, you need to talk about this. He, his name is Parsa Mohebi, mm -hmm. and he is like the guru. And okay. I'm like, you got to come on anyway before Matthew gets on. Yeah, but, and I just want to say one thing before. I'm sorry I blew up. Okay, I love you. Let's, Look at that. Uh, sorry. Okay. I love you too. Oh, oh my God. And now I have, now I have, first of all, I have, wow. a, game. I have a game on Saturday. Okay. This Saturday, what? you and I are talking on a Tuesday. Joe. How, on the how, sides, how I have I have a mohawk, and in the middle is my pre-existing hair. Yeah, and then the the implanted hair with the little blood mm -hmm. specks around 2,200, 2,200 
Well, your hairline. Hair. I see your new hairline. I mean, by the Take, way. Taken from the sides. Okay. Not one iota of pain. Not one. Okay, wait a minute. I think but I how are you doing a game? I took that hat off. Well, come Thursday, I'm supposed to shampoo my hair, and the doctor's like, because now Michelle's doing it, which is a test of love, where she has to mm -hmm. like basically blot <laughs> some banded formula of shampoo onto the top and sides of my head. The sides of my head itch so bad, I want to crawl out of my body. It's so... Uh. But not, but comes Thursday, which is less than a week. It's like day six-ish. I had it done on a Friday. Thursday, uh, I, I shampoo my hair normally, and he kind of wants that redness, those scabs to come off, and then that allows the hair follicles mm -hmm. to get oxygen more, I guess. They're firmly in place, and then I just mm -hmm. go on about my life. So the what's in my hairline now will should go away, and I'll look like, you know, I have a mohawk, I guess. But are you going to address this? You're on national television, okay? So, so what? I don't understand. Like, it's too soon. It's, it can't be all of a sudden perfect, Joe. It can't hair. be done, Captain. It can't be done. <laughs> it will. Be I mean, thy, thy shalt be done. <laughs> Trust me. And I said, I already talked to the director, our producer, director, one of my four hundred bosses, and I said, Hey, uh, just so you know, your guy here got more hair put. Uh, in the front rows, so maybe a wide shot for the on-camera from, like, center mm. field where it's Smoltz and me. First of all, Smoltz <laughs> is bald and can't get enough bald. He loves bald <laughs> jokes. Meanwhile, I look like a pincushion, and I'm like, just maybe something like, hey, we're so glad to be back in the stadium because we're doing the game from Bush Stadium down the street wow. from where I sit right now. So glad to be back, and here we are inside a stadium, and then just push to like a, a shot of us from the booth, but it's not brightly lit where you're right in my face and it's high def and people. Yeah, but, but but on the other hand, I don't give a shit. Good, I love that. As we've talked about, I I no, I know. I want to put this out. I want to have the doctor on. I want to talk about it. I want to. I yeah. talked about lipo. I talked about yeah. this. I. This it does not bother me, and I don't I care that. except that I don't I don't want Fox to be turned off by it, and and this right. isn't my personal platform to like hear me roar. So I, <laughs> but I'm like, let's just make it look as good as we can make it look, right? And go from there. Matthew's on. Hi, Matthew. Joe Buck and Oliver, what's happening? What what's up, baby? Uh, I don't know how we got so lucky to I, I didn't call on any of our past dalliances to get you on this podcast. Oliver didn't call on uh, your past starring roles across from his sister to get you on this. And yet <laughs> here you are, the most popular man walking the planet whose book I bought yesterday and I ripped through easily half of it last night while watching my blues lose to the Colorado Avalanche. And I am this book is a and this really isn't this isn't a podcast about your book, but it, it can be. This book is a gift. This book is hitting the uh, shelves at the right time in this country for the right reasons. You are speaking to my soul. And I, there there is nothing in this that I go, ooh, it, it, we're all everybody's in the ooh moment in our time. And and this book is like, hey. 
here I am, man. Judge me how you want. This is how I grew up. Here's what I've done. Congratulations. It it must feel like, I, 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 well, I'll ask you, what does it feel like to put this out and say, here's who I am for the record, because this is this is awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Joe. And howdy, Aller. Um, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so look, one, working up the courage to go write it. One, working up the courage to go look at the last 50 years of my life and journals I've been keeping for 36 of those years and say, hey, let it tell you what, 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 the, what, let the book be what your past has told you it's about. To share that, um, what's about, a lot about freedom for me. I'm always trying to close that gap between, you know, we, we all got a gap between who we are mm-hmm. and who, who we really are, what we really act like and, and, and what people are receiving. I was like, man, I want to close that, close that gap. I, it becomes a little extra work having to put on new hats. You know what I mean? For like, oh, well, this is who I am, but this is who I want to come across as, or, or, or you know, this is how I'm received. I want to close that gap. And if it was going to be worth sharing, if people, if people were, then, then share it in a book. My, my original goal was this. I knew there would be people, even if the even if the words on the page in this book sucked, there were going to be people that are going to buy this book anyway because, hey, I'm Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Now I knew there were going to be people out there where even if the words you were great, we're never going to buy the book because hey, it's by Matthew McConaughey. So mm-hmm. I said, well, look, the words on the page. I wrote this on day four, writing the book. The words on the may the words on these pages be worthy of sharing if it was signed by anonymous. And at the same time, be a book that only McConaughey could have written. That was mm-hmm. my sort of North Star. Now, then I, 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 I get it together. I write it in about a year and a half. I edit it together. Now I go to declare. Let's go share it. Well, damn, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get sunk by COVID or it came out right before the elections, if it's never going to see the light of day. And damn, it comes out. And I, my hunch was, man, I think people are going to want to see some, get some good news in the time of a lot of bad news. And it seems to be that's a bit of the nerve that it hit. And here, 30 weeks later, I'm still talking about it and proud and honored to be because people are telling me, hey, I'm seeing my stories in your stories, McConaughey. Hey, I'm seeing myself in you because it's not a celebrity memoir. Am I a celebrity? Yeah. Are there some stories about my time in Hollywood? Sure. But it's not a damn sure not a tell-all celebrity memoir. And I'm just happy that it's translating and um, people are seeing themselves in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Ali, I, I don't want to. I don't want. I'm not going to commandeer the beginning of this, but but I will. Just, no, go go go. I, no, I I would just say that you know you growing up where you grew up and and being you know who you are from where you are. Your reverence for your parents is yeah. what shines through this whole thing for me. And I I consider you know this this podcast is called Daddy Issues. I considered my dad my best friend. I consider my mom, both my mom and my dad. My dad was a guy who shaped everything that I am about. And the idea as a kid of letting him down is what kept me on the right path. And while your parents were very different than mine on a hour-by-hour basis, I think the lessons are are very very similar to the way I grew up and and kind of this rite of passage and I just got to the part this morning where your father has passed away and it reminded me of the story when my dad passed away when my my dad was sick for 7 months and I went to visit him every day in the hospital and I knew he was going to die I said my goodbyes on a I think he died on a Wednesday or on a Tuesday I said my goodbyes the night before cuz I knew the next day they were taking all the tubes out and he was going to pass away 
And I said what I wanted to say, and I, I thought to myself, this is not a Hollywood movie. I don't need to be there when he passes away. And I went down and I did a Cardinal baseball game. And I told the guy that I was working with, my dad's going to die tonight. And he couldn't even talk. And, we, and I did the game. And as I'm driving back home, I passed the hospital and I said, God, he still hasn't passed away. They pulled all this shit out of him at nine o'clock in the morning. It's 1030 at night. He's still hanging on. Everybody said their goodbyes. He's still alive. I haven't gotten the call. And I pull off and I go into his in his hospital room. He's been he'd been watching the game that I was doing. I whispered in his ear. The nurses got out. The, the machines were all gone. And I said to him, Dad, I got this. It's time for you to go. I'll take care of mom. I'll take care of Julie, my sister. It's okay. I got you. And by the time I got back to my car, which took two and a half minutes, he was dead. Huh. And and I I believe he was waiting for me to say goodbye. But that the way you describe that, it, it it got me this morning as I'm reading it. I'm I'm tearing even thinking of it now. <clears throat> what it was like when you went down, it was it was like a ton of bricks hitting you. And and it was that rite of passage where where the protection that you had of this larger than life father was now gone. And and if you could, because this this podcast is called <clears throat> Daddy Issues, if you could, please, for people who haven't read the book. Just give a thumbnail of your dad, who's this, you know, this beautiful, intricate, wonderful, yeah. loving, rough man, but who loved. And, and it, can you can you just talk about him for a second and what what that was yeah. like when when you didn't have him? Yeah. So, you know, he was start off the beginning of your question. You said you didn't want to let your dad down. You know. So many times we hear people today going, oh, don't, you know, fear is not a good, fear is not a good thing. Or, or, well, the fear of letting your dad down helped you do a lot of things and stay in your lane and, and do things well. Yeah. I, had a, I had a fear of that, too, and it was a healthy fear. Um, you know, I, I tell a story in there where I came home and I, he, I, I'd stolen a pizza and then I got home and he's on the phone with the dad of the guy I sell the pizza with. And as any kiddos out there, or what, what, what I got to remind you is if you ever do do something wrong and you kid home at night and your, your, your dad says, Hey, if you ever steal a pizza and you get home and your dad goes, did you pay for that pizza tonight? It means he knows you didn't. All right. So just tell him the truth. All right. But I, I, I lied. I tried to weasel out of it. He gave yeah. me four chances to tell him the truth. And I lied. And on the fourth time I lied to him, backhanded me i crumpled and went to the corner not by the force of his backhand but because i was standing on some coward ass lactic acid field legs mm. because i was being such a weasel now do i remember any of the pain from that backhand no what i remember is when i hit the corner i looked at him and he had this his jaw was dropped he was like and it was a face of a father going damn it i am failing if my son Cannot tell me the damn truth about stealing the damn pizza. That's the pain I remember. And I let him down. Um, so we, dad, I didn't ever think he could die. I thought he was the abominable snowman. I didn't think anything could get him. I didn't, I didn't think anything. I thought that guy could have swam naked through a canal in Amsterdam and come out without a cold, you know? <laughs> and he, uh, he was a big man. He was 6'3", 260. And towards the you know the, the the end what turned out to be the end of his life he did i do remember him kind of i saw him 
for the first time, about a month before he passed away, I saw him asleep for the first time in my life. It was 8.30 on a Saturday morning. I passed by the bedroom door and I saw him still asleep. I was like, I've never seen my dad asleep. Really? House, sleep was sin in our house. It was like, you stay break, you're up. It doesn't matter. You be up. And I saw him asleep. And I remember going to my brother's going, is dad okay? And I remember him saying this word, boys, oh, feeling kind of peakish. That was his word, peakish. He had gotten down to like 240. And my mom always wanted him to lose weight, right? He liked it at 265. Man, he was just like thick. And he got down to 240. He's like, I'm feeling kind of peakish at 240. Well, I got the call from my mom at 630 on the evening of the day that he died that morning at 630. And so the, on the fun love inside of my dad, the way my dad died was making love to my mother. And as soon as he <laughs> finished, he had a heart attack. Now, check this out, man. For 20 years or more, he would tell me and my brother's, Boys, when I go, I'm going to be making love to your mother. Oh, my God. <laughs> All this freaking shot, right? <laughs> now, this is also a guy who is 62 years young, but was smoking two packs of camels a day. And he went off to Baylor Med to get dye run through his veins to see if his aortas and everything were blocked or not. And he'd come home from the, from the doctor and light him up another cigarette. And we'd be like, Pop, are you sure you could be, be smoking? He goes, oh, hell yeah, boys. Doctor says I got the heart of a 22-year-old high hurdler. <laughs> so he passes away. Me and my brothers rush down, bum rush the doctor to go in there and go, what the hell? You said our dad could, could smoke, and he said he, said he had a, a, the heart of a 22-year-old high hurdler. He goes, what? He goes, no. Look at these. Showed x-rays. He goes, look, he was blocked. I told him he can't smoke anymore. I've been dead. Was he still smoking? So he just fibbed to us, man. Oh, and my God. You're like, Dad, remember when I lied to you about the pizza? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> but I guess it was his right, you know? I mean, and so, you know, the same hands that could hurt were the same hands that could heal. You read the story in there about the cockatiel that he brought back that's, to life. That's in, that's crazy. Uh, you know, that's so crazy. In, in my, my mom's migraines didn't matter if she took a, a, a aspirin or a Vicodin. Nothing worked besides my dad's hands on her head. Um, it's like he had healing hands and boy, people would, everyone, he loved to give hugs and everyone would walk away taller, bigger, more full. And they loved to hug from, they call him pop. Call him I was pop. about to, I was about to ask that. Was he an affectionate man? You know, yeah. was he full of love and showed affection and showed his love physically? Absolutely. He was a big hugger dancer. I mean, him and my mom would go dancing and you know what they're, uh, they're, uh, they're, uh, uh, their stroke of midnight was, or the time to go home. You know what it was? Hmm. It wasn't a clock. It wasn't a time. It was when mom had, because she danced without her shoes, when she had danced enough that her hose on the bottom of her feet got a big enough hole that they came over her feet and up around her ankles. Then it was time to go home. <laughs> but they went hard, man. I mean, look, they were married three times, divorced twice to each other. Yeah. They, 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 they were, they were, uh, uh as far as a relationship, they love tidal waves. They love tsunamis, man. They were they were hardcore, that's, and that's that, that's how they existed, though. I mean, that was their comfort how they communicated. Zone. Yeah. It's how they loved each other. It's it's a, a metaphor is in that very first story, you know, of where she pulls a knife on him in the kitchen, and then he grabs a ketchup bottle and starts <laughs> splattering with ketchup, dancing around like a matador. And he's laughing. I'm over there watching. No, 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 no. Mom's got this knife watching him while he's going. Touche. Touche. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it comes to a standstill because mom's so frustrated. She drops a knife. 
and they embrace and make love on the damn kitchen floor. So again, the love always <laughs> won. <laughs> They're like, always won. Did you leave the room or what? Man? I did. I did. I, I, I mean, I was crying. I got up and I, I finally w- walked away. I didn't stay there for the details, but I was going, what the hell did I just see? It all went down in about two minutes. It went from a swinging 12 inch chef's blade. Yeah. You know, slashing to a swinging 12 inch dick <laughs> to make it love on the floor. So let me ask a quick question about that, Matthew, though. Like, you know, what's your take on trauma? And, and, and just as far as a child watching something like that, watching yeah. his mother with a knife. And it seems like that tumult in your house was a lot of, you know, heavy shit. But what's your unique, I would assume, take on how a kid perceives that, takes that in and then internalizes that. that, that well, right, I'll say this. My reaction probably subconsciously has been, uh, you know, when I found Camilla, we, we, we don't, we, neither one of us wanted a relationship as hardcore passionate with that many, that, that many dynamics as my parents had. Uh, we wanted as more of a, more of a nice river with a few rapids, but we're still, we can stay in the flow. Not a, not a, not a, not the Pacific ocean in a storm. Like my mom and dad had, I, I think, look, we're all victims. Mm-hmm. Do we choose to be victimized? I mean, mm-hmm. I just saw it as I went to the end. I mean, I'm, I, even at that age, I saw, well, when they embraced at the end in a loving embrace, that, that's, that was the, the health that I remember and going. And then as I got older in age, I was like, you don't need to go through a knife fight to get to the make and love part. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't have to go that hardcore, but. I never judged my mom and dad on that. Again, my mom to this day at 89 years old with the middle finger that goes wonk, 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 because it's been broke four times from banging my dad in the forehead, says, oh, yeah, I needed that to communicate. That's what I needed. I wouldn't change one thing about how her and my dad got along. And I'm like, OK, well, that that's for you. That's that, that's not for me. Um, so I just it, it never consciously scarred me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always thought, again, it just, our family got over things so quickly. Again, because the love was never in question. You, you, you know, it, whether it ended up making love on the kitchen room floor or my brother got busted for having, you know, uh, having some dope in his car. I mean, as soon as the, the, the discipline or the violence was over, it was it was hugs and tears and let's go get a cheeseburger and let's stay up late tonight. Which kind Every of happened when, when you said to your dad and you were sweating it, that you're going from a law degree to going to film school. And he said, just don't half ass it. That that's all you needed to hear to, to really that, that was, that, that was, I said the word gift earlier, your book being a gift. That was maybe the greatest gift he could give you. It wasn't judgmental. It was okay. Then if you're going to do it, do it. Well, it's what you said again. And he, in the way he said it, I, he gave me not only approval, he gave me uh, uh, confidence. He gave me accountability, responsibility, privilege, freedom, and a little of the way he said it, a boost in my backside to go, don't let him down. As you said, don't want to let him down. And he just gave me agency. And and, and, and check this out. I mean, let me, y'all, see what y'all think about this. And this has come to me over the last few years. What I think happened in that phone call with my dad, where I call nervous to say, I want to go to film school instead of law school. I don't think this is going to go well. 30 seconds after that, uh, he goes, you sure that's what you want to do? I said, yes, sir. Pause. And he goes, well, don't half-ass it. 
What I think happened in that phone call when I called and said, I want to go to film school instead of law school, he heard his son not really asking for permission. Mm. He heard his son in the tone of my voice, oh, my boy's not bluffing. Okay. And as a parent, I think he went right there. Oh, my son is now breaking out of the status quo of what we've told him he should do. And he's not bluffing. I can hear it in his voice. He could hear how quickly I said, yes, sir. When he said, are you sure that's what you would do? And I think that was what any parent's proudest moment can be. Sometimes when our children go, you've lined me up, I'm going my own way. And whatever that is, you know, I, I, that's, I think he had a pleasure in that moment where he said, I have raised him right. He's got the confidence and the courage to, t- to he's asking me, he's asking me, my son's asking me, but he's not really asking me. And I think that made him incredibly proud and gave him ownership of, hey, I did do a good job with the youngest one. He's got the courage to come and tell me, Pop, I'm going my own way. Did he line you up, though? I mean, did your parents line all you guys up to sort of say, this is a path that I'm going to put you on? I mean, was that a conscious decision by your parents? A conscious decision, and we got to remember where my dad came from. I mean, he came from, you know, you, you, you get a job, you work your way up the business ladder within the company, and hopefully one day you maybe go retire with some benefits. Now, he may have taught us that, but I look at him, he didn't what he did. He was a he was he was an outlaw. He was a pipe salesman. He he didn't have any nobody had no no larger company had him insured. You know, no, you know, um he didn't he didn't have any retirement. He was a, he was working for himself uh towards the the last half of his of his life. So he taught us that. But in the but when I look back on it, I would say my family is much more and him much more renegade salesmen than they were company company men. Um, but that's what he taught us: you get a job, you work your way up. You get a job, and you work your way up. There's some stability in that. You can achieve that. If you like conversations with talented actors like today's episode with Matthew McConaughey, check out one of our past episodes and listen to our conversation with Adam Devine, where we discuss journaling. That'll be fun. Work-life balance, comedy, pumping iron, kids, Bobby Lee, cancel culture, his podcast, This Is Important, and more. How? Wow. That's a lot of shit, huh, Yeah. It's the whole podcast. My mom dug out like an old old notebooks that I had. It was like a, a note to your 20 year for 20 years from now or whatever. <laughs> uh, that Like some sort of school assignment that I had to do. And it was get buff, make that Skrilla, I said. Uh, <laughs> uh, become a comedian and be a movie star. And then instead of writing star, I did a star, like I did a star design. Uh, wow. Oh, and that's exactly who I am still. Yeah. Hey, don't go anywhere. Seriously, stay here. We'll be right back after the short break with more from today's guest, Matthew McConaughey. What's up? Do you think that with our kids these days, I mean, just generally, that we're giving them too much rope? You know, do you think that there's too much coddling of our children nowadays and not enough discipline? You know, um, letting them choose whatever fucking path that they want to be on rather than saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a little structure here. Well, you know, I mean, the world today, if, if we want to call our, if we just want to have an idea, what I fear is this, is that 
it's almost like today a lot of the kids feel like, well, if that's what I want to say I'm doing, if I want to say I'm an expert, then all I got to do is just say it. And I'm an expert. It's like, well, now hang on a second. You can't just say you're an expert brain surgeon just because, well, if I believe it, it's true. No, you got it. It takes some work. So, you know, I still concerned. I want my kids to understand that there is there is your experts for a reason. You become great at something for a reason and it takes work to get there. Now, children don't have a long term delayed gratification idea of, oh, if I work at this, I can work my way up to being really great at something. They want immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll, you know, the world's going to, I can do what I, what I, what I can as a dad, in my own household, but then the world's going to going to, the water line's going to hit where supply and demand comes out when they get in the world and they, they may think they're great at something or my son may think he's a great surfer until he goes and enters his first tournament, looks around and goes, Oh, geez, I just thought I was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you just learned. So the world will let them know. Um, you know, what level they're on. Um, I try to keep them as sober as possible on that without squashing their dreams. Right. Appropriate expectations is a word I'm dealing with as a dad now, trying to make sure my children have appropriate expectations, yet understand they're at the same time unconditionally loved and keep dreaming and keep dreaming. I don't want to squash you down, but hey, all right, you want to try that? Go ahead. There's your competition, you know, Um, and competition, you know, shows us the waterline of how competent we are at something. You know, yeah, that's right. No, no more participation awards. I'm not a participation trophy award yeah, guy. Actually, I'm, I'm not either. I think it's a, I think it's a disservice to to our children and won't help them to go negotiate in the playground of life. That is not fair. And um, that's right. You, that's you can right. outwork some people, but you can also got to out hustle some people. You also better be damn good at what the product it is that you're you're selling or the vocation that you're, uh, that you're taking on. You know, your, your kids, 12, 11 and eight goes boy, girl, boy. And, and with the way you grew up with all that testosterone flowing through the house, your oldest is a boy, your youngest is a boy. I'm wondering about your baby yeah. girl and, and how, how that has been different for you if it has. And uh, because I, I, you know, I, I've seen you with Camilla when the lights aren't on, meaning nobody's watching. It was a very intimate group. I see the way you love her. I see the way you are around her. This was a while ago, but I assume that's all still going on. Uh, and you're a good husband. I know you to be uh, a great dad. How has it been different now with with the baby girl? What has that changed you at all, or, or, or is same rules, same same well, situation? You know, I I, I love that uh, Mac Brown quote. I'll I'll he said just football University of Texas football team about twenty years ago. He said, I, I, will, I will treat you all fairly, but I will not treat you the same. You know, kids are now 12, 11, and 8. You know, earlier on in their lives, it was like, look, this is the one rule for everybody. Kids, follow this, and consequences, good or bad, will come. Well, you start to customize those for each kid because they have different sort of abilities. They have different, they have different ways of trying to get away with stuff. And you can sort of, Vita, uh, um, I don't, I, can't, I, can't, I, I have trouble even raising my voice. Vita. Vita is my girl. I can give her just a look and go. She's like, I got it, Pop. I'm sorry, I got it. My youngest. <laughs> same like, way. Going, you know, my youngest is going, come on, come on, come yeah. on. He's kind of, I'm going like him. I'm going, hey, come on, buddy. Do I need to put, do you need to, to get your attention? Do I need to push that hard? You know, my eldest is much more, is much more sensitive in a different way. Um, he's incredibly considerate where he's hard to raise a voice at him either. Just got to look and go, hey, Buddy, do you, do you see how this 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 doesn't work? This doesn't 
This, this isn't how we work as a family. This doesn't work as a team. You got to be real soft with him. But Vita, look, I'm glad. I'm happy sort of uh, uh, that she's in between her two brothers. We're coming into those stages where she's de- going through puberty now and starting to develop. And the teenage years are coming, which I hear, hey, better hang on to your rope on the, on the, on the, bull, on the bull ride that that becomes. Um, she's starting to understand, like, that boys look at her. Or, or, or in a different way sometimes, or, or, or she'll, but she's, we, we, you want to hold on to the innocence, but not have, not by, have not be naive and have her cause she's so trusted. Yeah. She's she, my, my daughter's the rehabilitator. She's like, yeah, bring in the pirates. I can fix them. And we're like, don't bring in all the pirates. <laughs> Hang on. And boys, boys, Levi Livingston, you know, you, you know, your sister thinks she can, Rehab a pirate. So let's just not, we're not going to welcome all the pirates. You know what I mean? Not the tyrants. So, you know, I mean, it has to some extent, but I, I could probably answer you that question better, Joe, in about five years after she's gone through her teenage years. It'll be great. I've done it. I've got 24 and 21 year old girls. My 21 year old's about to be a senior at USC film school. Uh, loved pages 98 and 99 of your book. When you talked about going to film school and being in the class and, not being kind of the emo guy and going to see the blockbuster movie. And she, she texted me last night cause I told her I was interviewing you today and she's like, and I tucked my shirt back in, which I, which is the greatest last line of that little snippet, mm-hmm. which is her. I mean, she's a Midwest kid. She's in LA. She's, you know, she's talented, but she's not looking for like the most obscure movie to try to impress somebody with. It's like, no, this is good. It's okay to say that, whatever armageddon's a good movie it was entertaining and that nobody in your class saw the blockbuster of the day so so that you will be fine everything that you're putting in you and camilla are putting in will help you weather those you know pubescent years those post pubescent years until they become young adults you you're you're putting that in the bank right now where you do not have to fear those years. I, 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 I'm guaranteeing you that as sure as I'm well, saying. I, ho- I hope so. Um, I'm not <laughs> scared from coming, but I understand that we do that as parents, you have to, you have to work out different muscles and do different stretches for those years. <laughs> yes. No, you do. You do all do. your kids get you along do. pretty well, Matthew? Yeah. And you know what, this past year and a half where we've had them with us and they've been remote schooling and stuff, They've formed friendships with, they get on their nerves, on each other's nerves. They've formed friendships and inside innuendo that even Camilla and I just see them on the side, don't even need to know what they're talking about. They're like, yes. You know, um, the youngest one early on was like, I got to keep up with the the two older ones. If they can do it, I can do it. And he's not negotiating that. So it's just not asking permission, just going, I'm doing it. So now, you know, it's it's a challenge going sometimes you got to have solo time with each child as well, or tell the other two that, Oh no, Levi needs to go do this on his own with his buddy. No Livingston it's best. You don't go, let him go have his time with his buddy or Vita. No, I want to go with Vita. You no, let Vita go have her time with her friend here. So giving them solo time and then, but they're pretty doggone good about doing stuff together and teaming up and they've gotten better at it over this last year because they became their own best friends. They became their playmates. Yeah. Uh, And so they, and you and and Camilla are on the same page 
as parents? You know, Susan Sarandon had a line when she was uh, married to Tim uh, Robbins. Robbins. And they're no longer together, but this line always stuck with me. And someone asked her, says, so, so what is it that makes, makes, it, makes it work for you all? She goes, well, we, we, have, a, we have the same moral bottom line. Mm-hmm. Camille and I have the same moral bottom line and the same moral bottom line about what we expect as, of our children. What, uh, uh, what we expect as a family. Um, we don't, good cop, bad cop, to answer your question a minute ago, Joe, yeah, does, do, do I don't believe it, but am I told, yeah, you're a little softer on Vita and you good cop her, you know, more than the boys. I'm like, yeah, okay, guilty, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, being the one girl that I have. But we, uh, we never... We allow them to have little singular conversations with me that they don't have with their mother or single conversations they have with their mother that they don't with me. They get who to come to that might be more lenient on one subject, but very just just enough to make them feel a tad mischievous, which is which is okay, but not not anything that makes them think, oh, the other if dad gives me this, then mom's being unfair. If mom gives me this, then dad's being unfair. And as y'all know, man, it, it's a hell of a lot harder to say no and follow through on it. Then to say yeah, which kind of oh, answers yeah. your question you were talking about earlier, Oliver? Do, is this free reign? Free reign of yeah, 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 yeah. Is it? Is there enough structure in it? Do they have enough consequences to understand the, what necessary and responsibilities? It's you know we, we're I think we, we do we try to do our best to follow through on the nose because the nose are where they they learn more than the yeses. I mean, no, it's a great point. Powerful. It's a great point. It's so much easier to say yes. And it can be, it's lazy. I think sometimes to be like, yes, yes, yes. Cause you're right. That no is not an easy, it's not easy to keep going, to keep following through Follow with, because well, no. it puts it back on you. Cause when right, you say right. no, and then the crying starts, cause I also have three-year-old twin boys and you just no, no, no. And then they're just going ape shit. I mean, it's so much easier to go. Okay. Here's, Here's uh, Batman again. I know I said he was going to take it away. I told you to lay your ass down. It's time to go to bed. But here's Batman because I right, don't want right. to listen to it. I don't right. care what lesson you're learning. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. It. It's nine o'clock. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm finished. Yeah. So here you go. Here's fucking Batman. Have a nice night. L- yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a personal question just about kids in bedtime because my kids are 13, 11, and seven. We're right around the same age. Two boys, little girl. Right. I have gotten so lazy at bedtime because I want to go to sleep. But my my kids, it's like I can't. They want to stay up. I can't enforce it because I can't be in bed with them. So now I'm in bed and just they're kind of on their own. I mean, how do you do? You, how do you navigate bedtime? <laughs> well, we have, um, you know, we call it eight thirty. You it do, yeah. It ain't eight thirty, but it's. Because we call it 8.30, 9 feels like we're getting away with a little bit and we can ease on up and and and, and then go to bed. It's, uh, uh, you know, and then it's not, I mean, it's not non, non-negotiable. It's like, that's it. And back to that, treat you I'm fairly, so but not bad. all the same. The eldest, he can stay, it's, it's, it's how we do the next morning. Yeah. They set their own alarm clocks. They make their own breakfast. They got to be in charge of doing their own, go, going to school and charging their stuff the night before. If they if they're groggy or wake up late on their alarm the next morning, that next night, it's 8.30 sharp. 
you missed it. You bogeyed this morning. Now, mm. maybe Levi didn't. No, Levi can stay up a little later. Yeah. And here we go. Well, well, because he look at him. He was up. He had breakfast. He was done. He, he brushed his teeth and had his stuff ready, and he was on time. You obviously needed more rest. You couldn't handle it this morning. You couldn't meet up the responsibility that you agreed to meet up on. You're in at 830. Now, you want to go in at 830, and we're going to give you 20 minutes of reading time? Okay. To chill on down a little bit? Um, mm -hmm. but so, you know, they're, 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 mm. that, that it's non-negotiable. I mean, we got a time it goes because we, we don't go to bed after them. We make sure they're in bed, do the rounds, kiss them goodnight and lights out before we go to bed. And as y'all know, as parents, sometimes that means you get there and you see your wife and it's 10 o'clock at night and it's the first time during the day you go, Hey, yeah, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no, uh, I, that's back to the knife fight and catch up. There's no making love on the floor after that, by the way. It's like, uh, I'm tired. You're tired. Nice, nice knowing you. Good night. Oh my God. You are, you are the most consistent dude. Cause I, in the book, you, you, you talk about the rules and the, I can't, I remember standing by the first green at El Dorado with you. And, and we were watching two guys play golf in like the shootout thing. And I said something to you and I started, it was a nothing sentence. And I said something like, I can't. And you almost grabbed me by the shirt. And you're like, you don't ever say I can't. This, this, so I'm saying that because for your book, Green Lights, this is not stuff that, oh, doesn't this sound appropriate to put to put into a book about how to live life? That's you. I mean, you 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 kind of spread that. Have you do you even as a kid when you think back, were you somebody that people would go to for advice or you were kind of taking the lessons you were learning sometimes in a hard way at home and taking them out to the playground, taking them to your team, taking them, you know, were you always that way? Uh, maybe somewhat. I mean, not consciously, but look, if I don't remember the last time I could hear someone say hate or I can't without going, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Even, even my, my kids, my kids now, um, Look, my dad, that, that lesson of I can't was a great one, how I learned that. He had always told us, can't's a dirty word. You, in our family, you get your mouth washed out with soap for saying MF. Occasional GD might fly out. You're going to get your mouth washed out, right? But if you said the word H-A-T-E or C-A-N-T, <laughs> it was an ass woman, man. It, and so I remember the first time I said, I said Dad had told us, you can't spat it a bad word. You can have trouble, but can't spat a bad word. And I was going to wake up early Saturday morning to go do my chores, mow the lawn. Well, lawnmower wouldn't start. I was having trouble getting it started. So I go in. Dad, can't get the lawnmower started. She just said that. He looks up. And I saw his molars meet. And I went, oh, geez, I said that word. And he got up quietly, walked with me out of the bedroom, through the kitchen, out the garage, around the back, under the shed, to the lawnmower that I was having trouble getting started. He leaned down, pulled it a couple of times, didn't start. He didn't lean down, found that the gas tube was everything. Um, not hooked up the right way. He fixed it. All of a sudden, cranks it up with the motor, with the lawnmower running over there on the side, ten feet away. I'm sitting there going, and he comes over to me, puts his hand on my shoulders, gets down on his knees, eye level, and he looks at me. He goes, "You see, buddy, you were just having trouble." And I went, "Ah, oh, yes, sir." And he always said, "Look, you may not be able to do something, but you can ask for help." So you are still only having trouble no matter what. If it's possible, you're only having trouble. And boy, I remember from that day on, that's a, that's a, 
And our family, my, my, my kiddos know it. They won't, they won't even say those words. They, if they say them, they go, someone else said this, and they'll spell it out. They'll actually go H-A-T, and they said, and I-H-A-T-U-E-U. Or, um, and she then, <laughs> oh you know, and they'll spell it out. They know that those words are like zingers, man. Uh-uh. uh-uh. With the conversation stops. If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Share the love. Tell a friend about Daddy Issues. Go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss the rest of our conversation with Matthew McConaughey coming up right after this short break. I, I'm wondering, as you're telling all these stories and I'm reading this book, and, and the other one I just have to say because it made me laugh, is your brother not wanting to cut his hair and your dad driving him to school and he's going to, you know, get suspended from the team, football team or whatever the hell it was. And, and you realize, I don't care. It's my hair. I, you know, Jesus had long hair and he thinks he stops the conversation cold Turkey. And your dad turns around, drives eight miles back and goes, yep. And Jesus walked everywhere too. So get your ass out. And that, that, that is, that is so brilliant uh, that is, that is brilliant parenting that 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 and i'm wondering now that as we are and, and i don't want to make this all about the new culture and whatever but i am worried about now having young kids again and interacting with other parents and hearing how precious their children are and and having to kind of swallow that while they're either uh you know teaching them or letting the hitting the brakes on disciplining them how how do you, how does that mesh yeah. in 2021 well, I, I hear you joe oliver i mean look it's it's a challenge i'm concerned about it too you got to remember back then you had sort of understand it's you had understandable and agreed upon social contracts with other parents of kids and it was like if your parents are acting up over there well get get on them don't you let them get away with that shit you know, if you're if their kids are acting up over at your place, you know, you, their parents are like, well, you know, that's that's the rules of your house. Make them follow it. You know, and you had sort of an agreement that doesn't ha- happen as much today. I've seen circumstances where parents going, you know, coming up to somebody and going, you raised your voice, my kid. Well, yeah, he was under the trampoline. While all the other kids were jumping on it, and when they went down, I mean, if he if he lifts his head up, I didn't want him to get his head head knocked or neck broken. Like, but you raise your voice. Well, I asked him to get please get out from under the trampoline because it's not safe. Three times, and finally, to get his attention, I had to go get out from under the trampoline. And that's what you're getting on me about. I what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. The alternative would be that he was going to get his head knocked. Um, so. I, you know, I I think sometimes we are o- oversensitive and, you know, it, it's. But it seems like you're authentic, right? You, you do. You do you. I mean, you don't really conform much or do you? I mean, is there a part of you that wishes you could even be more of Matthew McConaughey, more of, of what's in well, your soul? Hey, man, that's 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 my quest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I think in some ways. I would. I think it's fair to say this. Aren't we all trying to be more of ourselves and and, yeah. and and close those gaps I was talking about early on? Now, look, civilization's a bitch. It's hard to be completely our, our, ourselves. And do you? And, and at what age? You know, I'm now at an age where I I, I I trust myself to be more me. 
And if I just said, just do whatever you want, I'm not talking about just be a straight hedonist. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. certain responsibilities breed freedom, and I, but I maybe didn't trust myself to be me 20 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a little more sound in who I am and who I'm not now. So I'm pursuing to try and be the most me I can. And you're especially- learning that and you're gaining that just through experience, just through just wisdom of life and moving forward through your life. I'm, I'm asking this honestly right. to bring it to me a little bit. I'm 44 years old and I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a bit of a conundrum. I, I'm trying yeah. to figure out who the fuck I am, honestly, right. at, at this point. I'm going through some shit. I don't know, as an actor, who am I? As a creator, who am I? As a father, what, what is my journey right. moving forward? Right. I have potential. I have talent. It's untapped. I don't know how to tap into it. I'm just trying to navigate the second half, and I'm at this sort of crossroads right now. Well, I think, you know, Camille always says this, and all three of us right now talking have uh, an example of this in our own respects. There's the world and how the world works. And then there's our bubble. You know, there's there's, Camilla and I have a bubble and our family's in a certain bubble that we found that we maybe sometimes do things differently than the world does it. But hey, doggone it, that's paid paid us back in value. That's paid us back with how we want to raise our kids. That's paid us back with what we expect of each other and our character. And let's maintain that. And she'll catch me if I start to go, you know, think, Oh, what about this new bright idea? This way this couple does it. And we'll go, Whoa, we can look at it and measure it, but let's remember about our, our bubble that we got of what we expect of each other and how we behave. Um, so where we, where do we get our expectations from? You know, what mm-hmm. things do you do, Oliver, that, that pay, that give you ROI? That yeah. give you and your family residuals. That 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 give you and your family mailbox money. Yeah. You know that that's filling the souls account as well as your bank account yeah. because yeah. it's easy, man. We go. I mean, it, I had ex. We have to. I have something early in the book that I that I that I love when I talk about less impressed, more involved. We got to look at what are we impressed with in life, and we're often so impressed with things that are outside ourselves: achievements, fame, money. Those things where I think I should be, what I expect, what I'm being told I should I should want and like. Sometimes those are mirages in the long mm-hmm. run. Sometimes those are illusions, and we have to go. You know, I write about write write that line about hey, when you can, ask yourself if you want to before you do. Mm-hmm. Shoot, man, I kind of you know I I find success, and we have a fluent life. Sometimes things are put in front of us in our lives that are like. Well, hell yeah, I want to do it because, I mean, I can for the first time. But that's not, I think we grow into a place where we go, no, I don't, doing something just because you can, it's kind of a juvenile posture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to? And to answer that question for ourselves is is is, is hard. I still have a hard time doing it daily um, because I there's the things I can do, but I go, well, do I want to do that just because that's the status quo? And that's just kind of how everyone says it's done. Or I can now because it's an option for the first time in my life. And hell, why wouldn't I? Because I never could before. Mm-hmm. Well, hang on. Before I do that, let me ask if I really want to. And then to a helpful tool, Oliver, is project forward 10 years. Mm-hmm. When you got a decision you're trying to wonder, go forward 10 years. Go for, If you can go all the way to your deathbed and mm-hmm. look back and go, this decision, how's it going to look in my eyes 50 years from now? How's it going to look in my eulogy? How's it going to look to me when I'm 54 and not 44? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, 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 and you talk to great, we talk to great elders that we respect. Every single one of them says they wish they would have cared more about what they really valued earlier in life. None of the elders, none of the coolest elders I've talked about are talking, are sitting there going like, it's all about career and money. I don't know. Any of them. <laughs> all of them are like going, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids or I wish I would have, you know, spent more time with my loved ones and friends or my wife or my husband. Um, now we got to do that. And how do we also pay the bills and get off ourselves as, as, as individual, um, men who need, I know I need accomplishment and I can't sit around. I'm not talking about a kumbaya. Like Mm -hmm. it's a privilege. It would be a privileged and foolish thing for me to say if go, yeah, just spend time with your family and your wife and that'll take care of everything. Bullshit. We got to go to work, accomplish, you know, we got to grind, got to, if I don't grind in my, in my work, I lose sense of self significance. I feel like a, like a, like a, like a pawn. So but, I what is, do. but what does work mean to you now? Because you you have your hands in so many different things, and you're sort of you're philosoph- you're just philosophical by nature. You know, it's like moving forward. You know, what what does your future look like? Why do you do the things that you do now? You've accomplished so much. Yeah. So where where are you at now? Um. I'm, I've got a next new chapter. You said earlier, you're trying to figure out who you're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 51. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, who am I going to be? Yeah. You know? And, and, and what new challenges do I want to take on that, you know, I've earned a lot of currency at this point. So I'm looking at how do I spend this currency that I've, that I feel like I've earned in my life. So what, what are the non-negotiables in my life, family, husbandry, a lot of my career that I've built that I, that are not for sale that, cause I can't just go, I don't want just new goals. I've still got a, I'm still working on, you know, the goal list I wrote in 1992 and it said things like be a father, find the woman for me and keep her, keep my relationship with God. People go, well, you've, you've, you've achieved that. Well, no, I haven't. I'm in the midst of achieving those. I'm trying to get my roots wider and deeper with goals that I had since I was 18. So I'm not all about taking on new challenges as much as I'm about. You better keep maintaining and tending the garden on the ones that you that you've already established and you've already built. And I'm not going to put those up for sale and let tyrants and pirates come in and and, and pillage. them. Um, So I am guarded in that sense, but I do want to go forward and new things. I think I'm being called to some sort of leadership role of service. Um, And I'm really, really for the last probably five years been really starting to understand how serving others serves yourself mm-hmm. and how actually serving yourself actually can serve others. Mm-hmm. And, and that those two are not contradictions. And so I think it's gotta be in some storytelling way. Cause I'm a, cause I think I'm a natural storyteller. I think I've gotta, I've gotta be able to, to have a story. I've gotta, I've got, I've gotta be an, I've gotta maintain being an artist. If I become a leader, I've got to do it with some artistry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested in being just a CEO. Mm-hmm. And, administering this and administering that I, I don't i'm not in i'm not a i'm not as interested in being uh, uh um you know legislating you must do this and you must do this um as much as i think i got a i think i've got a a a gift that i can double down on and in inspiring individuals to go oh okay <laughs> i didn't i wouldn't believe it in myself enough i wouldn't trust in myself enough all right mm-hmm value there's a value in sacrifice here oh okay if i say no to this i'm gonna get three yeses tomorrow 
rather than if I say yes to this, I got a hangover tomorrow. Yeah. Um, value of delayed gratification, I think, is just something we got to we got to start as as people. We got to start giving ourselves more damn credit and uh, and, and and be braver. Uh, we're, we're all we're all courageous and we're all cowards, but damn all uh, um, the, the our, our cowardly side sometimes. Uh, the, we listen to the whispers of our cowardly side more than we listen to the screams of our courageous side too often. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, oh God. hundred percent. I don't know how you come up with this shit. I just, it pisses me <laughs> off because I, I sit around here and I'm thinking about ball one strike two and you're like coming up with these like Play-Doh somewhere is in the ethernet or is in the, is in the ether going, this guy's unreal. Uh, I, I don't. So are you talking about, I, I'm not making you, I'm not interested in committing anybody to anything, but are you talking about public life? Are you talking about wanting yeah. to run for something? Is there validity to the whole governor issue? And if there is, is there room for altruistic thought in today's political world? Or, or, or is that, is that, you're going to get chewed up and spit out by the nastiness right. that right. exists out there. Like you're going to, you're, 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 if you do it, you are playing to the best of everybody. And these days it seems like that whole yeah. arena is focusing on the worst of everybody. And, yep. and you know, is, is that, is that pretty fair? I think it's real fair. I, I would say, you know, you have to have I'm, people really listen to what you're saying instead of bullshit, uh, like little sound bites that get played on the nightly news. You have to really buy in. And I don't know that people are, uh, I want to give them credit, but I don't know that there's enough intelligence out there to go, yeah, that makes sense. I need to believe more in myself and, and the collective group will be better. Like that, that, that seems really great, but God, that's asking yeah. a lot of people that don't seem to want to give it. Yep. And and a lot of people intellectually come out and say, yes, I agree. But when we go back on our own, we don't follow up. We jump right back to the cowardly side. And so, you know, we're so afraid. We're so afraid to make the voluntary obligations with ourselves of character, of being a good man, a good woman, a good person, a good parent, good husband, good friend. We're so afraid to just put ourselves on 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 the line. And we're short. We're we're. We don't realize we're taking the, we're taking the short end of the stick because it actually causes more pain, stress, and hardship in the future when we don't act in our most true or best selves. We love the short-term game. Now, politics. I'm on, on it seriously considering that embassy or that category. And I agree with you. Jeez, oh man. Why don't you want to do that? You go in with your handcuffs on. You're dealing with a bunch of liars and backstabbers. That's the nature of it. Everyone expects it. And if you fix something, you get out, they just rip the Band-Aids off when you're gone. Who the hell would want to be in the middle of that? At the same time, I go, politics needs some needs to repurpose. Politics is, is a category that needs to rebrand. Hmm. America <laughs> is, I think, the 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 product the entity that needs more rebranding than anything right now mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. so but that comes down to each individual American needs to uh, needs to get on with the rebrand we need the I think we all need rehab right now especially from 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 this short term ugliness of as you said 
let's look at the down, let's look at the disease before we look at the health. Let's, it's just easier. Let's rubberneck and feel like we win, not because we made the shot, but let's feel like we win because ha ha ha, they missed the shot. Right. Right. That's like, oh, really? We're, 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 we're suckering ourselves into thinking that that's actually where we gain satisfaction and self-confidence and self-respect. Bullshit. You know, we, we're so, we love rooting. We, we get that momentary feeling of I'm a winner because you lost. Not because I made the shot, but because you missed it. That's a, that's a, that's our default go-to. Hmm. Um, we, 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 uh, um, we have this in politics. There seems to be this sort of exclusionary idea that, well, the left has a license and a trademark on intellectualism. And the right has a trademark on work ethic. Well, the left has a trademark on science. And the right has a trademark on faith. Bullshit. (laughs) You know, and right now we're in a place where like, well, no, the far right thinks the left are socialists and the the left, far left thinks the right are racist. All that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I actually think this, Joe, is when I say we have the wool pulled over our eyes a little bit, Coming to the middle, we got the numbers. But no who's, doubt. Got the, who's got the megaphone right That's now? That's right. That's what, exactly by, right. And follow the money. Follow the money. The extreme right and extreme left, which is about 16% of the, the, the nation, have the megaphone. And they got the megaphone because that's what we want to hear more. We want to hear the drama. We want to hear the bullshit. We want to hear the exaggeration. We want to hear the, 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 the fiction and believe it's, and believe it's nonfiction. And most of us, more I think, more sensibly, are sitting in the middle, going, "This is this is happening," and now I'm starting to believe that maybe that's who we are too. And I think we're drinking the Kool Aid. We got to get yeah. off the Kool Aid. That's what I mean by, by 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 rehab. America needs a rehab. We got to. We and, and, and I think it starts with this. First, let's agree on some facts. F A C T S S. We cannot agree on what the hell a fact is right now. We cannot agree on what is actual. We argue about what's what's actual. But that's almost systemic now. How do we rehab that? Like, how do we, how many rehabs do we have to go to? And then, you know, uh, how how do we, how do we get to that point? Well, facts are real. Hopefully we've got, you know, uh, there's an age, we've got the opportunity for an age of of enlightenment. I mean, we got uh, coming up. It's, I hear you. How do we do that? How do we do that? I don't think that you do it through a policy. I don't think mm-hmm. you do it through. Again, I just think two things. I got two thoughts on this. I think if you you're going to have to you're going to have to prove we're going to have to prove that. Acting this more true way, acting, uh, be, being more fair to others in ourselves and being more courageous, we got to prove that that can fill your bank account, because if you don't make no money, I think we're too far gone on that. If it doesn't fill a capitalistic need. Yep. <laughs> Then I don't think people are going to do it. People are going, yeah, yeah. that's great. I'm, I'm going to give to charity. <laughs> what I'm talking about is I need to raise my number on the line. We got to prove that it can make money, and I believe it can. But we have to understand that it's long term money, and we also have to, I think, have have maybe more people come out that that didn't prescribe this way of thinking, that did make the most money or did get the most fame, and go and tell us, guys, girls, don't don't it, it doesn't in the end, I'm barren. In the end, I, I lied, cheated, and stole my way to get here, and uh, um, I'm now sitting here, lost, 
and lonely for. So to just reprior to reprioritize our values in, in, in some way and see that you still can win. The good guy still can win. The, the, the good woman still can win in the bank account and the soul's account. Now, if we can match those two, that's 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 an understanding. I think, look, the frontier that we got to change is right here. Mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine told me, you change climate change when you change how this works. You change all these other problems that we see in the world when you change the individual, how they think in their mind. That's what we got to rewire. Um, but mm-hmm. we got to prove, though, I think, that it can pay them back. They got to see, okay, how do I make a living like this? Now, um, there's, I've got different ideas on how, how to do that, but it's going to take a lot of people going, take, making some sacrifice. We don't give near enough value to sacrifice, which is what we got to start off doing if we're going to have any kind of rehab, which I think we all agree we could rehab. Yeah, because yeah. I, I'm with you. The, the, the loudest people are getting all the attention. They're on the fringes on either side. And the middle is where anybody I hang with is in the middle on, on everything. Yep. They're, they're left, right, middle, dead middle. But, but there's more eye-rolling going on now by the people in the middle of what's happening and being reported, quote-unquote, from the far side, either side, than there ever has been. Kennedy was talking about what you were talking about in the 60s. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's exactly what you're talking about. But it seems like you know patriotic ideas or the will to make the country great is like somehow a bad thing in the public narrative. And I I just don't know how it got here because you and I, Matthew, you and I are basically the same age. We remember a time when there were bitter rivals on Capitol Hill who were arguing uh, in the, in the chambers and, and screaming. Yeah. And that night, they're at uh, a fundraiser sitting in the same row, laughing their asses off together yep. and slapping each other's knees. There is no melding of ideas and for the greater good. It's just this or that. Well, in, in here, I heard, uh, I read this, this line the other day. It was from uh, someone in the GOP in Texas. And it was our number one mission statement. We must preserve the party. And I hear that on the left, too. Just preserve the party. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do the math there. If that's all either side's really bunkered down to do, you're basically undemocratic because you you're not serving the people. You, you, you're, you've cut, you're not serving 50%. If it's all about, I don't care what it is, just make sure it's blue, or I don't care what it is, just make sure it's red, that's, that's part of where the divide has come. And not only now do those people not argue then have a drink afterwards or argue then shake hands after it's become this if you don't believe if you're not of my party you don't believe what i believe then not only do we disagree you're i invalidate you yeah you don't exist joe and oliver if you disagree with me you are persona non grata that's a heap of shit yeah that's not a way that's not the way for it and both sides are doing it so if you're if you're hunkered down only saying, uh, uh, you know, I'm for my we must preserve the party, vote down this line, everything must be that way. You're not even thinking about what's the best for the most amount of people, which is well, what I'm what I've understood democracy to be about. Why do you think so we? Why do you think we got that? How do you think we got this way? You know, I well, mean, has it over easier. time? It's easier. It's easier. Yeah. Right. We America, America. You know, we're. We're, we've founded on this base of individualism. 
but yet we're the United States of America. Right now, I got the question I would have for a lot of us is, let's unpack this. Before we talk about land of the free and opportunity, hey, right now, we're, uh-uh, that's, that's, that's gravy. That's later. Right now, let's ask, do we really want to be a United States of America? Mm-hmm. And people will go, hell yeah. We'll go, no, no, really, ask yourself that question. And let's answer it first because we're not acting like it at all. And that will take certain sacrifices. So this individual idea of the American, the rugged individual is now, and then you go through a year where we were forced to go be individuals with COVID. Everyone's just hunkering down going, I got minds, man. And also in this last year and a half, I think is where it got exposed. I think it's been there, but it got really exposed this last year and a half because we had uncertain futures. We were living in limbo. I'm not sure what my future is. So when you're uncertain, what do you do? You want identity and you look around and there was a tribe hanging out over on the extreme right. And there was a tribe hanging out on the extreme left and you people ran to one or the other to grab a hold of that pole and go, okay, at least I got a tribe now. At least it got some identity. Now, my hope is people are coming more to their senses and going, oh, I'm having a little buyer's remorse. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm looking around at the people I was hanging around with on the far right and far left and they really don't have the same values as I, as I did. We're, we're a little more different than I thought. I don't completely buy into their way of thinking. So hopefully people are having some buyer's remorse and going, hey, let me look over there at that at you, Joe, who I, because you disagreed with me and you were on the opposite side, who I invalidated you. Let me look over there and go, well, no, 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 I can't. You, you do exist. You are real. You do have real reasons for feeling that way. I don't agree with them for me, but what, 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 why do you feel that way? Let's unpack this real long. And that's a start. I mean, that, which is not happening now, is just to mm-hmm. at least validate uh, um, th- that, there, that, the, that there is an opposition. Um, and, you know, you, we got to go through the confrontation to get unified anyway. But right now, confrontation at least, me, the meaning of confrontation means you at least validate you have an opponent. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're just not even, we, we don't even have real <laughs> right. confrontation because we're not even validating we got a freaking opponent. Yeah. You know, there's something to discuss that there's a competition here. That's not real confrontation we're practicing right now. God, I mean, you, you got me. I wish I lived in Texas so that I could <laughs> cast a vote for you. Uh, or hopefully it's it's bigger than that someday. Um, I, I think I, as you were talking, I, I think I thought of your campaign slogan. Instead of all right, all right, all right, it can be all right, all left, all right. Ah, I like huh? that, Joe. Big. Dig. Uh, all right. I, 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 I like, like that. that. Um, and then That's, the other thing I was thinking about when you were gonna when you were about to hop on, I used to have your email address and you changed it. And I my ego will not let me think that you didn't change it because I had your email. So just 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 for my own ability to sleep better at night. Just tell me you didn't change your email because I had it. And I mean, Oliver <laughs> Joe would write seventy-eight times a day. Oh, that's such bullshit. Damn, Joe's writing me, and Joe's writing me, and then oh, Joe's writing me. And then Joe, of course not, Joe <laughs> okay. Barton. Right, right, oh thanks. my gosh, if you, I gotta get you my you. new email, it's not as good as my old one either. <laughs> I know, but I gotta get it anytime, anywhere. You're like, always oh first class. God, it just awesome. it just was crippling. It was absolutely uh, crippling. That's really fucking funny. Well, this has been <laughs> this has been really fun for me, Matthew. I know we've known each other, and we we were on you know my sister's podcast. But this has been uh, just great better. to talk it's to you. It's been better. F- 
It's way better. Oh, just way better. I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I, there's not, there's not many more authentic people than you. And you know, that's what I try to be in my life. And again, I said, I'm going through some shit and it's, it's just uh, encouraging to sort of hear you speak and, and tell your stories. And uh, let me throw this at you, Oliver. Let me throw this at you because this one, I, I forget, but I, when I think about it, I'm always like, Oh God, I remember that one. And I talk about a little bit in the book about, when we're trying to figure out who the hell we are or what, you know, what we want to do, mm-hmm. that's hard, man. That's massive. It's hard to see the top of that freaking peak. Yeah. But a simpler thing to do is start looking in our life. And I've been doing this right now and going, let me eliminate who I'm not. Let me start mm. getting rid of chafe. Let me, because I've got it going on in my life right now. As we all do, you look around, you got, man, I got 24 little campfires built and I got no big Valhalla blazes. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. we got to mm-hmm. get rid of some of those little campfires and go, no, I got a few things in my life that I want to, I want to Valhalla blaze, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I want to yeah. bonfire some few things in life. We go, what is going to bonfire? But we only got 24 hours in a day. So if we start looking at what are those things that, you know what, I do do that. And that takes up this amount. It takes up quite a bit of my mind time. It takes a bit of, quite a bit of my real time. And what do I really get back from that? It's kind of, it's not really essential to, it doesn't really pay me back. I'm not, it's a feel like to, you know, get rid of the little one-offs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Start getting rid of the little one-offs and it creates a little more time to deal with the, the, the fires you want to start blazing that are really important to you. And then the other fun little asterisk, which is out there, which we got to remind ourselves is when we don't know what the hell we want to do, something's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Something will happen. We'll create it or the world will throw it on us. Purpose <laughs> will be thrown in our lap and we'll be like, ta-da, it's That's clear. Right. It's non-negotiable. Yeah. I got to deal with this. Yeah. It always and, does. It always seems yeah. to work out that way too. It's strange. It's interesting. Yeah. You know. I, I got Before mm. he goes, I just want to say one thing that he doesn't remember. But back in 2011, we were at this golf tournament together. And my voice was messed up. I said, I was talking like this. And, this. and Matthew says, what's wrong with your voice there, buckaroo? And I said, uh, well, I went in for uh, hair transplant surgery. And the, uh, the thing down my throat sat on my nerve. And it paralyzed my left vocal cord. And now, you know, now I said, now I'm sound like this. And, um, but, you know, they say it's, it's probably going to get better. And Matthew takes a beat and he says... <laughs> So what you're saying, Buckaroo, is you fixed your video, but fucked up your audio. <laughs> and I was like, like I, I am about to have a nervous breakdown. And Matthew McConaughey, in one sentence, just summed up where I stand in life right now with my whole career flashing before my eyes. And I... I was like you internally. I was like you motherfucker. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. You prick, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Runner Up, nineteen seventy seven, Mister Texan. Oh, your life is built on a lie. Your life is built on a lie. <laughs> oh, Malaprop, Malaprop can take us very far sometimes. That's so great. God, that was awesome. awesome. I've told that awesome. story. 1001 times now because it's, it's just uh, so it, brilliant it's so it's it's a great it's one of the best one of the great stories though thanks man um, hey man always good to see y'all good yeah. to see you good Buckaroo, to see you man. great to see you man and i'll um 
How do I get you? How do I get you my real email? <laughs> it's all right. I, it's better if I just sit out here, wish wishful for the rest of my life. <laughs> all right, good. Oh, See you, man. man. Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate it. You have right my now. vote. All right. Bye. <laughs> One of the all-time great lines I've ever been. Come told. on, man. He 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 he's like my spirit guide. I I just you know he's. He's cool. He's cool. He he's just been so many different iterations of himself. Yeah. Not trying, not trying to be. He's just evolving, constantly sort of moving and evolving. And, and he doesn't give a fuck. He's just, this is me, and this and 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 take it or leave it. And he's got that feeling to him, you know? Yeah. No, just I know. It, 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 I, I used to stay in a hotel. Yes, it was a ritzy hotel on the uh whatever you guys call it in LA, I guess the west side. Uh by it's in Santa Monica, and they would put in each room uh, the Alchemist, the book, the yeah. Alchemist, which you can Love read book. in an yeah. hour. Yeah, his book should go in these. Forget the Alchemist, <laughs> Green Light forget, should go in. Forget Gideon's Bible. Just throw in <laughs> McConaughey's book, <laughs> Green Lights. Yeah, I I just uh, I'm so glad I saw it. We went to the bookstore yesterday for the boys. Something to do. A, B. We need a refresh on their books. They're they're just tired of them, and that there it is sitting at the cash register. It's like one or two on the bestseller list for good reason. And I I started ripping through it last night. It's great. He he is a gen. That is just genuinely him. And and I mm-hmm. think if if he is going to run for public office, you know, I, maybe that stuff will rub people the wrong way. But it's not. I, I would imagine it would be uh, comforting. To know that you don't have to put on an air. Yeah. I'm glad try. you asked that. I'm glad you went there. I was like, I wanted to, but I was a little nervous to. I'm, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to kind of softball it. But I, yeah, yeah I, I just, he's not going to have to play a part. That's just him. And and if, if it gets him enough votes to get elected somewhere, it'll get him enough votes. But he's not playing a role for that. That's actually him. Oh, yeah. Look, dude, I mean, he definitely doesn't have to do this. You know what I mean? Like, in what world would one even want to do this unless you have real passion and desire to at least try to make some sort of change? Right. You know, this isn't for status. This isn't for celebrity or fame or, or, or at least that's my perspective. I don't think it is. Yeah, he's already got all that. He's got all that. This is just, you know, hey, fuck it. Let's, 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 try, on this, let's try on this suit for a second. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, and that's the thing. That's the one thing I will say about... Trump, Biden, Obama, Bush, Bush, Clinton, all those people. You can love them. You can hate them. You can agree with them. You can disagree with them. But on one level, they've done a hell of a lot more than I have sitting in my office in St. Louis, and and maybe for the wrong reasons, maybe. But they put up with a gigantic life change to, in their mind, right or wrong, serve mm-hmm. their country that's for right. whatever reason. So I, that's what it would be with Matthew. Like, you really want to open up that bubble of, <laughs> you know, you, you know, in the beginning, he talks about having taken peyote. Like, or is that going to turn people off? Is he going to? Yeah, okay. But, but I feel like because it's all here, there, there's no mystery to the guy and and mm-hmm. he's really open and and upfront and i think his his desire is just to do something good for the world and good for yeah. the country that i know he loves yeah 
Yeah, totally. And getting back to the daddy issue stuff, like, you know, he's just, what a great dad. You know, he's obviously, we didn't get to ask him that final question, you know, about what he's sort of taken from his father, but that's okay. You know, he seems to have pulled all the great shit out of who his father was and, and implements that and puts that into the way that he does things, you know. Um, and it's interesting to hear him talk about, you know, ha- watching the sort of violence and then having it come together sort of in, in love. Uh, and, and that's the part that he took, the coming together in a sense. And love takes on all different kinds of, you know, iterations, I guess. And I, I don't know, man. He's he's just a, a really interesting cat. <laughs> I really dig yeah. it. Yeah. I can't imagine the time that your sister has spent on set. I can't imagine the one minute of acting compared to you, your sister, anybody has done working across from that dude. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I feel like if he's looking at a script, his mind with the way he shapes things and kind of mm-hmm. philosophizes about everything, he, he's got to be like, really, I'm going to read, you know, uh, uh, damn the tour, damn the torpedoes, uh, <laughs> whatever for the U boat movie or <laughs> something in fool's gold or how to lose a guy in 10 days. You know, it, yeah, him, but, but I, see, but, but that's so great. Like he had that part of his life in his career, you know, and then made the decision to then move into a different direction. You know, there's a, there's a story. I think they wanted him to do some sort of a superhero character where he was going to make a gagalian dollars. <laughs> and he basically said, you know what? Fuck this. And then when did movie like mud, you know, and then and yeah. then his career took on on a whole uh, just a whole different you know uh, position. And then he did you know Dallas Buyers Club and 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 then he just moved into a different section of his life, you know. But he made yeah. that choice. Anyway, I could go on. What a good dude. That was great. I just, was really I just don't want to get off this podcast with, you know, the way we got on with. I was stewing. I know. I was fucking stewing. And I was like, I can't. I can't fucking just not be on the. Okay. Fuck it. Fuck it. God damn it. I reached back out in. back to you. I said, come on. Let's go. I just don't. I don't like that. I'm sorry I was frustrated. Well, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. Up. I just, I'm a sensitive. I'm in a fucking sensitive place right now. That's why I. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 you know, whatever. Jesus, I apologize. I just, I, I apologize to you. I anticipated these are it. two it men happened. apologizing to one another. <laughs> All right, and you know how much I love you. You, you built it up before I even hundred percent. <laughs> oh, dude, I was click, clicking the thing like, okay, here we go. What the fuck is Joe gonna say now? And then, boom, had I, hey, had I fuck said, hey, man, how you I'm doing? Like, yeah. And I said anything like, hey, hope you're having a great day. Uh, you know, we're I, I've been on for the last 15 minutes. You would have still ripped my head off. Well, I was my my I was planning on being like, hey, sorry, you guys. I was got caught up in these things. I'm that that was the plan. And then it was like, click, mm. hey, fuck wad. What the <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Look, I my head is a pincushion right now. I can't wait to take this hat off. I know, and let I know. these follicles fly. <laughs> okay. oh, there goes my fucking door, too. Yeah, but after the fact, we only had one dog bark. My kids are pulling each other's eyeballs out, and and we got McConaughey. Okay, that was great. Great interview, dude. That was really fun. I loved it. Yes. And I love you. All right. I love you. Goodbye. All right, baby. 
Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. Thank you.